0: Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for Prom Night, episode 5 of season 6 of Supergirl. And this week our topic is for mainly Nia and Brainy, but also Kara and Alex. What does it mean to be... Like mature? What do they think maturity is and like being maybe like a grown up superhero (laughs) is? And are they correct? And are they correct for themselves and their characters as individuals? And I thought this topic would be fitting because this episode we see the youths of the group, (laughs) Nia and Brainy, the least experienced. I would say, of the super friends as they exist now, go back to high school, travel back in time to visit young Kara and Alex. Well, they're not trying to, but (laughs) they ultimately do. Yeah, they explicitly were not trying to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And they're on their own for this really pretty high stakes mission of trying to get Kara, Supergirl, back from the Phantom Zone, get the thing that they need to do that. And also like not ruining the timeline and specifically for like two people in their lives, Kara and Alex, who are in some ways for each of them like mentors. Kara and Alex had parallel mentoring storylines in season four. Mm-hmm. Kara mentoring Nia, Alex mentoring Brainy. And now they're traveling back in time. (laughs) to before they were that version of themselves. (laughs) And they sort of planted the seeds for this with regard to, like, Supergirl for Brainy and Nia in episode two of this season, Mm. where they were sort of comparing themselves to Supergirl, who's this, like, legit, fully grown, established, well-respected superhero who they personally, you know, aspire to be like. And both of them, like, feeling responsible for her fate in some ways as well. And, like, overwhelmed (laughs) as people who are still finding who they are as heroes and people. And we also saw in this episode a younger Kat Grant, who will eventually turn into both Kara and Nia's mentor. Yeah, well, and
1: with Kat especially, I'm eager to see where that goes in the next episode to clarify this version of Kat from what we already know of her, just because she herself is also still baking. (laughs) (laughs) In the sense that when we meet her, she doesn't go by Kat. She's still CJ, which you and I both laughed at because the West Wing CJ. Mm -hmm. And also she's still very much in Lois Lane's shadow at the Daily Planet and hasn't created her media
0: empire yet. Yeah. So Brady and Nia are seeing the versions of these mentor figures who are not in any position to be giving them (laughs) like life advice or like to the degree that they are in the future.
1: It's kind of like in season one where Kara quietly gets offended by Lucy saying that meeting Supergirl is like meeting a celebrity and then realizing they're not as exciting as you thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe... (laughs) Obviously not in the same way. (laughs) There there were (laughs) some other emotions at play in that scene. But for Nia and Brainy, who both feel... Like they are lost and that they still need guidance to become the people that they want to be. And this is a very common like adolescent, early adult thing. You would kind of think that the people that you look up to just are that way. Right. And that they didn't also go through that same process of becoming those people. Mm -hmm. So it should be fun to see them figure out stuff about themselves and also come around to
0: appreciating these mentors that they've looked up to in different ways. Right. And in high school, which is a fitting setting in terms of like, <laughs> yeah. times of growth <laughs> for people. Well, so let's look at the characters individually and begin with our beloved dreamer, Niana, who is established as missing her sister and missing her mom a lot in this episode, where she goes to a time that her mom was alive and her sister and her were like 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 sisters, (laughs) they were still in a good place. And when we met Nia's family back in season four, they had expected Nia's sister to receive the dream powers. And at that time, Nia was actually hiding that she had acquired the powers because she didn't want to disappoint her sister and because she felt like she stole something from her. Mm, Yeah. And then her mom died despite a dream that Nia had, which predicted it. Which, you know, obviously puts Nia in a position where she's blaming herself for it. And then her older sister asks her, when she finds out, that Nia has the dream powers. Like, so how did someone like you get them? You're not even a real woman. Yeah. Yeah. Which was not a great place to end that visit to her home. And so these things combine, and also Nia's own personality, to bring her to this concept, this idea that, If someone else, like her sister or like anyone, had her powers, then her mom wouldn't have died or Yvette wouldn't have been attacked or, you know, Supergirl wouldn't be in the phantom zone, etc. Every time something bad happens that she has any kind of dream about beforehand, she blames herself for the bad thing happening. And Nia this whole time hasn't really had a guide or any vehicle through which to figure out how to use her powers properly. Like in episode two of the season, she says, without my mom or my sister, I don't have anyone to actually teach me how to interpret my dreams. As sort of like a link, like this has been on her mind in maybe a more present way than it had been in season five. Mm. That relationship with her mom and her sister and things that she doesn't have because of the loss of those relationships.
1: Yeah. And then related to that, we see this theme that's occurred across the last several episodes of season six appear again here in Nia's story this time where before we've seen Jean deal with it, Alex, Lena a little bit, mm-hmm. which is the idea of fragments of a person are not a replacement for the real person, and hanging on to that isn't helping you necessarily to, to move forward. Right? Because we have Nia in this episode realizing that because she's in the past, her mom is alive, and there's that temptation of, oh, if I could just talk to her somehow, even though she shouldn't and she can't necessarily That that will make it better somehow. And so she does eventually cave in and call and all she gets is the voicemail, Mm. which is very much like the way hologram Allura Mm. was described. Laura Bonanti specifically said that the direction she got was to make herself sound like a Hallmark card. Right. Um, You know, like a shade of a person, not like an actual realized human being. Right. But that idea of keeping the voicemail, that is something so many people do in the grieving process of Mm. losing someone because it's like that last little piece. But it was kind of like Alex going through that process last week of that that's not gonna bring anybody back and Mm. it's more important to try to move forward in the way that this
0: person would want
1: me to yeah
0: and it's interesting in terms of like let's take Kara and Nia Mm. as two women who don't have those connections to their culture yeah who have lost that aspect of it so for Kara getting something like the crystal of her mother was a big deal like because it's not just the fact that she has this piece of her mom it's like her culture yeah (laughs) and that whole world of everything that she lost which includes things like objects or like symbolic like artifacts involved in her religion as we see with like coville in season three and for Nia she not only doesn't have her relationship with her mom and she's estranged from her sister but she doesn't have that link to this power that she has and that she hadn't explored In any way really beforehand, because initially they thought that her sister was going to get the powers. And so tying into this idea of like what like being a mature adult, fully rounded person means, for Nia, she's talked about how like until she learns how to use her powers. She's never going to be the hero that she wants to be. Interpreting her dreams in a way that she feels is skillful and maybe even specifically the way that her sister interpreted dreams or her mom with the research and years of study or like with her paintings that her mom used. That is her image of what growing into her dreamer identity means And then in episode two, when Nia and Brainy have that conversation around how Nia blames herself for not being able to, like, dream correctly (laughs) to save Kara, Brainy says that perhaps Nia fears failing to live up to Kara's example. And, you know, in this episode, we see Nia seeing the young version of the person that she's sort of failing to live up to in her head. And she gets to, like, interact with her as just, like, young Kara. And there's kind of an interesting dynamic there where it has a lot of, like, co-mentoring energy. You mean, like, being peers? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you could say peers. (laughs) But in the way that they have more experience in different areas like Nia as the more experienced superhero and Kara as someone who has dealt with the loss of a a parent and uh, disconnection from her culture for a few years now. And then they also have in their dynamic a fun sort of like sister-like energy, which I think is fitting because in the episode where Nia came out to Kara as trans and then later Kara came out to Nia as an alien, Maeve had said all those terrible things to Nia about her not being a real woman and asking, like, how did she get the powers that she got? And Alex had said to Supergirl that she didn't think that she like ever felt vulnerable. And sort of a dehumanization element happening there where she's not connecting to her as a person who can be empathized with. So Kara and Nia were in kind of a stressful situation with their sisters. And so they like bonded with each other in that way. And then young Kara and Alex in this episode are are in some conflict and Nia is missing her sister. Like she says the thing about how they used to say was up all the time. <laughs> yes. And is like, oh, I forgot about that. Sort of this moment of sudden like, oh, that's something I miss that I haven't thought about in a while. My relationship with my sister. And Nia says to young Car in this episode, I've been doing my best without her guidance, meaning her mom, but I am struggling. Mm, yeah.
1: Well, that just reminded me this idea of Nia feeling like she's struggling Without the guidance, but she's willing to admit that she's struggling, mm-hmm. which is sometimes the opposite of Kara's problem.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Where in season three, actually in the Midvale episode, the last time we had a big flashback. Eliza says to adult Kara, you know, you're allowed to be a mess.
0: It's okay if you are struggling. And Kara's like, mm. struggle. Me? Ever? No. <laughs> no. Well, that's sort of like the <laughs> the energy that we have this episode with Nia being like, I need help. And Kara being like, do not tell Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kara's yep.
1: still going on this journey of realizing that it's okay if she doesn't have
0: everything under control at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Nia's having kind of an opposite issue.
1: Aw, it's like Kat told her when she was baby Supergirl that she's trying to do too many things at once.
0: <gasps> nice. Her <laughs> mentoring energy. Yeah. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Nia and Kara have a nice moment of... Like sharing in their sort of origin stories, if you will, which tend to be like superhero beginnings or tragedy. And Kara reassures Nia that she'll eventually figure out how her powers work coming from a place where she seems to be pretty good at them in this version of Kara's past, at least. Oh, she also
1: accidentally tells Nia that in season four when they get kidnapped oh right (laughs) and she's like yeah our powers are like
0: muscles they improve the more you use them or (laughs) so I've been told (laughs) yeah which makes sense for why Kara is like probably better at it now yeah in this version of the timeline and you know Kara's coming from a place where she also like had to figure out her powers on her own like Clark was not Uh, super, (laughs) uh, super (laughs) present in her life. And she lost her mom, like Nia, amongst others, of course. But Kara has, you know, learned to cope over time and and has managed pretty well, like, emotionally after that loss. Uh, That we know of. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) within the scale of things. And all of Kara's ability to adapt and handle, like, Mm -hmm. these new powers and handle such a huge loss is in part because... Kara doesn't doubt that she was, like, supposed to survive or, like, to do something extraordinary. She's pretty confident about it. And in large part because of the way that her parents were like, no, this is the thing you are supposed to do. They were very clear with her. With Nia, it was not the same way. It was someone else the whole time. And then it was suddenly her. And then she didn't have any reassurance from those, like, core family relationships. Mm, yeah. And So it makes sense for her to not be as confident and sure and, and able to trust that she will figure out her powers and and figure out how to cope with the loss of her mother, etc. So it puts Car in a nice position where she's like, you won't always feel that way. It gets better. <laughs> Which that was such a throwback to the era, that specifically.
1: So there was this huge initiative and it was done through YouTube, I believe, called the It Gets Better Project. And the whole idea was that queer adults made videos talking about how their adult lives were vast improvements over their teenage lives. Mm. And the idea was to give younger kids hope that no matter how hard things were at the time, there was light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Which is a very Kara kind of thing. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. But it was also a nice choice of words to use in that scene with Kara and Nia, where they're in Kara's bedroom hanging out, because there was a lot of very subtle... Stuff being done in that scene with inclusivity, specifically for Nia as a trans character and navigating the gender politics of being trans in what is essentially this like stereotypical high school situation of like going (laughs) to a sleepover and getting included in kind of the girls' night things and, you know, Car and Alex are letting her borrow clothes and, and all this stuff. Hmm. And it never even comes up and it's normal. And that was really, really well done with how subtle it was, but that it was still yeah. very clearly positioned to have that subtext. Right. And speaking of alien and queer solidarity subtext... <laughs> I don't know how many other people felt this way, but the part where Kara and Nia start demonstrating powers to each other, and that reminded me also of the scene in Prisoner of Azkaban and Harry Potter where the boys are all hanging out eating the candy that makes them, like, have silly things happen with magic. <laughs> Cute. The part where Alex walks in and is like, What are you doing in this horrified way? I, it just reminded me of being like a not out teenager in high school. I don't know why, but it did. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like the idea that Alex is seeing Kara and Nia like relaxing and being openly themselves and is immediately in her way like, We have to shut that down. <laughs> you yeah. can't let that information get out. And it's like, Alex, what would you like to tell us? What would you like to tell
0: us? Yeah. 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 I, I had the same vibe in terms of like just being like little weirdos <laughs> in terms of like the stuff they're doing is not like accepted within any other context than like this safe little room. And then we have someone being like, oh, my God, you're doing the thing that nobody is supposed to know or like can know or else, you know, bad things will happen. Yeah. So it definitely had that energy. It did. And it was a really nice
1: callback to the the fact that the show establishes metaphor on day one with that connection between Kara feeling alien as someone from a completely different world that no mm-hmm. one shares with her and the emotional kinship and the experiences that are relatable in the queer experience mm. of similarly maybe having an identity that you don't share with your family right. um, or the people around you. And having to keep it a secret, which for the creators of the show who are all older than me, hmm. was much more a part of the queer experience than maybe it is now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that element of it where it's like, oh, it's just not the same Kara said, like bonding with her human family. Yeah. Versus bonding with another alien. There's just a shared understanding there that is not as possible with other people. Yes. And we got to see them bond about their strange alien powers in a very joyful way, which was nice and new (laughs) for both Nia and Kara in in different ways. Because with Nia, she's been like super stressed about her powers and is generally amongst people who are very good at their powers (laughs) and not trying to figure out like how they work. And she got to be with someone who's like, oh, this is sort of new and fun for me, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And with Kara, the experience of sharing, like, in having cool alien powers is new for her because she's maybe never used her powers with another alien. There's the off chance that she has with Clark. Um, but otherwise, you maybe, know, maybe give her some tips early on or something. But this is not something that happens for her a lot. So we go back to this idea with Nia and Kara. Like some parallels, but also differences between them in that like we'll talk about Kara needs to be maybe reminded to be willing to take from others or to be a mess, you know, and, and to need help and to be selfish in some ways. But Nia needs to learn to trust herself and her own ability to handle situations. So they're in sort of interesting extremes right now. And like we saw Kara in season four tell Nia, you can't let her stop you, her being her sister, from embracing your destiny. I hid who I was for far too long because of my family. Even Alex didn't think it was a good idea at first, which is just funny. (laughs) No, she doesn't. Which is is just funny because the contrast between adult Alex and younger Alex, Alex, with relation to the powers, because Nia has only known Alex as someone who's like very supportive of Kara. Yeah. Her choices, you know. Like team Kara 115%,
1: and if anyone says a bad word, she will cut you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And young Alex has that energy, but in a different way. Yeah. And does not approve of the life choices of trying to save the world and such. So Nia is not starting herself with that like relentless energy that Kara has yeah she has to build that up probably with experience and and maybe some guidance would be helpful for her but i think mainly it's i mean we'll have to see what happens in the next episode and going forward but a lot of it i think is nia learning to like accept when she doesn't have the answers right away and accepting that like she will figure it out yeah (laughs) and having trust in herself that she will
1: yeah and to build on your point Cycles. We talked last week about again the recurrent kind of Harry Potter symbolism, mm. which was also very fitting for the time period of this flashback too, in its own <laughs> way. Because like yeah. the Harry Potter musical had just been released on YouTube in two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and the movies were not quite over yet, but they were yeah. getting there. And the last book had just come out. And Kenny said the Dumbledore yeah, thing. To- he did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <To Brainy. laughs> um, but you brought up last week when we were talking about the concept of the mirror and the mirror of Aricet or the thing that shows your heart's desire, the Dumbledore quote, the it does not do to dwell on dreams. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Nia, (laughs) stop worrying so much about the literal dreams, because (laughs) when you don't worry about trying to decode them, the context clues are there around you for the most part in your life. Mm -hmm. And you're so focused on the symbols in your head
0: that you're not seeing the things that might be the symbols. Yeah. You're not making the connection Unfolding around you. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way we've seen it happen is like it generally becomes clear over time and it's a predictive power. Right. So presumably the tools are at her disposal to figure it out. Yeah. The things that we've seen have not been where like it's some obscure reference that she would have had to have studied in a book or learned from her parents it's like observation and and putting things together
1: yeah well and especially as we've talked about before they set this up a little bit in season four when we got the sense that nia's family had this very small town kind of vibe but nia was always really drawn to the energy of a city Mm. and that vibrancy and that her dream power comes across more concretely right you know make a terrible pun about cities. Um, <laughs> Good. But even her dream about figuring out the solution to helping Caro, it was 100% exactly what it was, which was, <laughs> huh, I keep seeing this thing about Alex and Kara in high school. Alex is like, oh, yeah, because this, you know? Yeah. And the thing with her dream about the pink cat in the cage, we realized this, it's the statue from CatCo. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it's not the aliens and they kind of did a decoy because I think the one alien had like pink hair or something. It's cat. And you can kind of figure that out from the context, even within the episode, because she sees the thing behind them Mm. in the dream and cats following them. Right. And Alex had already clocked that she was a danger to them. She literally said she's going to pounce. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and also we've already gotten the context from Kat on the phone to Perry White that she is chafing at being the gossip columnist. She is caged in that way. Like, that's, right.
0: that's what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's <laughs> about to be freed and create Keiko.
1: And she's going to discover Supergirl and become famous and start Keiko. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terrible. <laughs>
1: exactly not what you want, but.
0: Yeah. So, so Nia basically needs to, and this is corny, step into her power huh. you know, and, and trust herself, basically. And we saw some neat, maybe hints of leadership skills in in young Nia. Like she was directing Kara to freeze breath the back wheels of the truck that was going off course. Huh. Huh. And she, right after that, was like, okay, you, Brainy and Kara, like scan the sky while I dream. So there's an element there where she, Knows what to do in a situation when she's just not distracted by her own like failures and fears. So hopefully we'll see some development for her in a nice positive way.
1: Yeah. And speaking of other characters who have been in this role of mentee for a while, but who are now Hmm. being forced to stand on their own. We have uh, Brainy, who's been trying out new coping skills since (laughs) he discovered that the boxes were unwise that's for sure. With uh, varying degrees of success. It's true. Well, the,
0: the biggest thing that we see for Brainy in this episode is that maturity, in terms of this theme of the episode, is controlling yourself and your emotions to do what needs to be done, which takes us immediately to Alex as a mentor (laughs) (laughs) because that is very much her energy and and the way that she's like, get yourself together (laughs) to the people in her life when she's in a position to lead them. And as we'll talk about what Alex goes to in terms of responsibility and like maturity is that self-control and then reigning in yourself and focusing on your goals. And like we just saw in Lost Souls, That can be a huge, like, superpower, if you will. But it also can go too far where, you know, Alex as a person will, like, dampen her needs. And and speaking of Alex as a queer character, repress herself and her identity. And so Alex and Brandy are pretty similar in that controlling yourself realm Mm. where brainy literally had personality inhibitors (laughs) which is kind of like what alex was doing for many years as a lesbian and this fear for brainy the specific fear for him where he thinks being himself will maybe hurt others or will get out of control and be destructive which is what happened at the end of season four and when he was reset and he put Nia in danger and that's something that he talked about with when he was a kid wanting to to have a world and then his mother bottling it for him and this idea that like who I am has to be controlled so that I don't like, destroy the things that I care about. Or maybe even broader than that. So when Alex tells Brainy at the beginning of the episode, like, don't mess up my life, (laughs) he, like, dwells on it. (laughs) Wouldn't you, though?
1: (laughs) If you knew that you were going to have to come back and
0: face very
1: angry Alex (laughs) if you
0: messed it up. Well, he's very, like, sort of grumpily sitting in his chair with his chips. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's, like, offended that she thinks he
1: might... Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, but what does she remember, Brainy?" <laughs> she knows what you look like now. <laughs> Maybe she's put the dots together.
0: <laughs> Maybe she's put the dots together. But he brings that that sort of like anxiety energy forward <laughs> into the episode like throughout what he's doing. Forward into the past. <laughs> so when Nia and Brainy land in the baseball field Brainy's the one of the two of them who's like this is really bad (laughs) this everything's falling apart he's very you know stressed out and then when Alex and Kara and Kenny show up he's the one like we cannot interact with them and freaking out don't be suspicious (laughs) yes compared to Alex being the one on the other side of the field who's like doing the same thing like we can't be interacting with these people so a fun little parallel
1: well, and it also goes back to the discussion we have all the time about Kara and Alex and their outlook on like strangers and right. people's nature. Because mm-hmm. Kara's like, "Look, alien friends," and Alex is like, "We don't know if they come in peace." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And then Nia is like the Kara of yeah Brady and Nia.
1: He's like, "Oh, we already know them. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be okay. We need help. It's fine."
0: And Kara's like, "We need to help them. It's fine." <laughs> there are different energies. This is why Kat hired them both and then sent Nia to Kara. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But the sort of anxiety or control yourself element of Alex's personality is already so much present in Brainy's personality that Alex adding like pressure in that way is not necessarily helpful to Brainy. And for Brainy, like following that sort of advice just makes things worse for him Mm. and we see how this like be less yourself vibe that he gets from alex is interpreted in early season four when Brainy, like, decides to become Win <laughs> because Alex is upset with him. And then Alex has to be the one who draws herself back and is like, okay, <laughs> this is not actually going to, to help him. So in terms of, like, Alex as a mentor for Brainy, I think the better thing for him to learn from her is maybe how to recognize and integrate one's actual identity and feelings <laughs> mm. in the way that is difficult for both of them. Yeah. Because, you know, adult Alex is a lot further along that path and probably could help him. And then the other person in this episode who Brainy very much looks up to Is Supergirl. Uh, Only a little bit. (laughs) For Brainy, she is like the ideal, like grown-up, mature superhero. That idea in his head, like what a superhero is supposed to be and what he is supposed to be is very Supergirl-like. And going all the way back to season three, when we first met Brainy in the Legion of Superheroes episode, Brainy was immediately an obvious fan of Supergirl. He says how he imagined they're meeting 4,237,642 times. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So in the time since the Legion
1: was founded, based upon the principles of Supergirl, <laughs> that is Brainy thinking about what it would be like to meet Kara approximately 1,658 times a day.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a lot, Brainy. <laughs> oh, boy. I can see why you might have been a little bit disappointed when she was all stressed out. <laughs> But immediately when he arrives in the show, he's tasked to save Supergirl's life because she's in the coma from her battle with Rain. So there's a bit of that sense of responsibility mixed in with this is my hero that I look up to. Mm,
1: Yeah. And the task of getting Supergirl out of that coma was such a huge responsibility for Brainy, particularly as a big name fan of <laughs> And it comes on the heels of Brainy having made a mistake mm. in the process of that Legion journey. And Nia reminds us of that in this episode where she asks if Brainy's a little bit tense or nervous about having to time travel because when he did the previous time we saw it in season three, he overshot by quite a wide margin mm. and potentially could have put their mission at risk. And he says no.
0: <laughs> but, but yes. Yeah. 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 So both of those elements are sort of a play in this episode of feeling responsible for the events and then looking up to Supergirl. Mm. He talks about like the way that the Legion related to Supergirl in episode two of this season. Everything we did was through the lens of Supergirl. And here we have Brainy also thinking that he's personally responsible for her situation. Because he failed to like outsmart or like predict Lex's behavior. And predict specifically is interesting because that is something that he prides himself on and the season you've talked about how brainy very much sees his own value as in his intelligence Mm. and so part of that is this predictive capability of like There's 70% chance that going down this path will get you to the place that you want to go without meeting the enemy, you know, and like dodging enemy strikes because he can predict what they're going to do. And the way that he and Nia were sparring when Nia was initially just starting to be, you know, Dreamer was like a battle of predictive capabilities of Nia using her dream vision and then Brainy predicting what would happen based on the logic at his disposal. Or the information. And we talked about in the companion for episode two of the season, the way that Brainy tried to make Nia feel better about maybe not living up to Supergirl's example was We know she's more than Supergirl, she's Kara. But at the same time, Brainy was not doing things that we as the audience would associate with Kara Danvers or like Kara, who she is, as just Kara. And he was not linking Kara to her humanity and those associated qualities. Or else maybe he would have like, slowed down a little bit in that episode or taken a breather to eat which is a very car thing eating and he sort of mistreated the pizza <laughs> by picking it up in a terrible way oh my gosh on yes. the side
1: yeah just picked up the box sideways and you're like no
0: nah. <laughs> brady you monster <laughs> you just folded all the cheese and it fell off and it's weird now it's weird now And he meant it more like she's Kara as in we know her personally and she has affected us personally in positive ways. Mm. And this sort of non-association with humanity and Kara or the concept of humanity, not like literally being a human. It makes sense for Brainy to struggle with that idea because he struggles with, quote unquote, humanity in himself in terms of like managing his emotions and recognizing what emotions are happening in other people and understanding who he is as an individual. Mm. And, like, his individual personality things. And Brainy was introduced when Kara was moving beyond her, like, I'm not a human, Kara Danvers sucks right now mentality in season three. She was sort of just getting past that. And she, in his opening episode, had just made the choice to, like, pick up the glasses that symbolized Car Danvers. And he overheard, you know, Alex go like, Cara Danvers is my favorite person and relayed that information to Car while she was in the coma, which ended up helping her. But I don't think that he ever really internalized that and, and the different kind of of almost heroism of Car Danvers yeah. and the different commendable qualities of Car Danvers that are not very super girly. Like in the scene with Shriki in that same episode, Cara described how she learned... To to better control her powers by taking care of a stray cat. And for Kara, this ties into both the understanding that, like, little joyful experiences are important, which is something that she was not connected with in early season three. And the understanding which the Danvers family also imparted upon her regarding compassion in that every single like little life matters in a personal way. Mm, yeah. And those personal connections matter, even though her eye is on the grand scheme of things and the whole world. Saving every single life is important to her. And that has that foundation in those connections, like Streaky the cat and the Danvers family. And it leads to her doing things like trying to save Lena's life while she's endangering others or trying to save Rhea's life (laughs) while she's endangering the whole planet, you know? Yeah. Because she tries to get everyone because everyone personally matters. And that's not something that Brainy seems particularly connected to at this stage. He's so focused in this episode on what a real adult hero is supposed to be, which is like controlling yourself and focusing on getting to the next stage of what you need to do and getting to the next stage of handling his feelings. (laughs) That's what he's trying to do mostly in this episode. And it's almost divorced from like what is actually happening in the episode. Like he goes on this like stray coping mechanism adventure (laughs) with all the different clubs. Mm, Yeah. But we don't see him like really connect to the people in any way. He's just using it as a tool. And, you know, going back to this. Kara Danvers connection of like compassion he's not connected to people in the episode he's very inwardly focused like we see him join a bunch of clubs to cope with his feelings. But
1: well, he doesn't start out doing it to cope, but then he realizes they may have utility.
0: Yes. (laughs) But he he doesn't do it in the way that maybe Kara would, which is like, oh, these people that I'm connecting to with all their different interests and stuff. It's very much about the thing that he's doing. And then there's a moment where Nia confesses that she tried to call her mom and Brainy sort of is like angry and upset. And so he immediately goes into these coping mechanisms that he's learned. And he's not really connecting to Nia in the moment. He's not really saying, like, I'm disappointed in you or, like, I recognize why you would make that decision. Like, he immediately disconnects from the interaction he's having with Nia in order to manage his own feelings. Yeah. Because they are overwhelming for him. But then when Nia sings (laughs) 9 to 5, he has Hmm. a moment of, like, actually bonding with Nia. And there's this like coping mechanism thing happening, but it's through his connection to her that he starts to feel better. They are sharing a moment together, which is a very like stronger together, a subtle message where it's like, oh, the thing that worked was being with another person and and trying to figure it out together. And then he apologizes to Nia because he recognizes that he missed That Niem might have a lot of feelings associated with going to the past when her mom was alive. And he, of course, says it in a way that's like he should have known, going back to that prediction thing. So lots of layers there. (laughs) But then the other aspect of like heroism of being like, quote unquote, a human is like enjoying things. (laughs) Living in the moment and like enjoying the little things, as we've talked about with Kara a lot. Brainy goes from little boxes to boxes of donuts he yeah (laughs) he goes from having these like boxes to control his feelings to trying to use food to control his feelings and initially he's like using it as purely like sustenance like we talked about him ruining the pizza (laughs) yeah (laughs) to then over relying on it to cope but not actually like because he likes donuts a lot you know yeah (laughs) like he probably saw Kara eat donuts when she was upset or alex eat food when she's upset because that's a go-to coping mechanism for them but they both do it to feel better (laughs) because they like it (laughs) yeah whereas brainy's like i will use this distraction or this like tool to suppress my feelings which is such covid meta (laughs) truly he's using coping skills generally as a managing tool versus like looking inward and connecting with his feelings enough to know What would make him really feel better? But then we see Kenny. He reminds Brainy that, like, what he does is really cool and fun. (laughs) Yeah. Like, fun science and physics things. And Kenny as a person is like, I love all of this so much. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that is his energy the whole time. Whereas Brainy's been, like, very serious and, like, we have to solve this problem, which is reasonable, you know, but also... You do this for a reason. You enjoy having this superhero gig.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's also a little exchange between Brandon and Kenny <laughs> mm-hmm. at the baseball field that reminded me of something from the series of unfortunate events show on netflix where the one guy excuses his behavior with well i had a very terrible childhood and the kid is like well i'm having a very terrible childhood right now and brainy's like do you understand the concept of stress And kenny's like yeah i'm kind of feeling it <laughs>
0: yeah. that was that was very good yes i like um, it yeah yeah so with brainy his like mentor figures of Kara and Alex, they're pretty bad at the things (laughs) that he sees them be good at later on at this stage of their lives. And so for Brainy, I think that the thing he will discover that is like mature or like growing up (laughs) as a hero, he is like an adult, but becoming a well-rounded person is... Like finding patience and letting himself be present and having a tolerance for sitting with tough feelings. Giving it space and time, as Alex might say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and since we are in this beautiful high school drama universe, we kind of were expecting to see some Danvers sisters things resurface, especially mm-hmm. given that they've been really building up to it in the last couple of episodes, which we talked about in the podcast specifically last week with how they were not only having Kara and Alex go through stories that matched, but also specifically more so on Alex's side, but it was there a little bit in Kara's too, drawing upon things that they learned from each other. Mm. And within Alex's storyline last week, we really see her demonstrating not only how much she understands Kara, what Kara would want and how Kara would do it. Mm-hmm. But she appreciates those things yeah. in a way <laughs> that the Alex of, of their youth really maybe didn't. Right. To the same degree because of of other factors that Kara as a younger person didn't understand. And so we're back to seeing them in this place where they are not seeing eye to eye and do not have each other's full perspectives mm-hmm. on both their own dynamic as siblings and their family dynamic, and also more for Kara, the world at large and the way it might perceive her and the threats to her that might be out there, like Kat following them. <laughs> yeah. Cat is not streaky, Kara. (laughs) Watch out. Well, (laughs) well, maybe she will be. I take it back. She does soften. Kara is charming.
0: Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in the original timeline, Kara does eventually get through to Cat. True. That is true. Yeah. So for Kara, she, young Kara's idea of maturity, and like what being a moral adult person is means being willing to sacrifice being a human and this is something that we see crop up for her a bunch across the series that she struggles with like forever but it's especially present with young Kara who hasn't learned even like maybe the beginning steps of that lesson of being Cara Danvers as a human being something valuable. And in this version, even though it's like timeline wise, further along, the midvale did not happen because Kenny did not die. So that experience hasn't happened for Car yet, that growth journey. <laughs> mm. So the source of this like being responsible as an adult, meaning like sacrificing the elements that are like human ish stems from the hardest thing that car ever did which was leave behind every one of her loved ones to protect kal and ultimately protect earth
1: which we then also saw alex do last week mm. to save earth from the phantoms
0: yeah every one of her loved literally ones. <laughs> each of them in sequence, <laughs> in sequence. as she watched Yeah, yeah. Buds, pales. So the message that Kara got from that was that like loved ones aren't as important as doing what is right is. And then the result there is that Kara wants to like skip past (laughs) having a family and a childhood to get straight to superheroing. We saw that in Midvale and we see it here. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other element where it's Kara needed a lot of help adjusting to Earth and, and coping with everything early on which put a huge burden on Alex for a range of reasons. (laughs) And Kara still feels responsible for that like present day today. And that element is still present in their relationship. The message that Kara gets from that is like, you're making things worse when you're supposed to make them better. The thing you're supposed to do is save everyone, but you're here burdening this family that is trying to take care of you. And so the result is that Carl wants to fix things. <laughs> that phrase that we see crop up a lot like Carl in this episode, I can fix this, I swear. And that same energy in the Midville episode when she's like I will find Kenny's telescope, I promise because her Kenny's mother was upset. Mm. And She wants to fix them through either, like, solo action, which is, like, not burdening anyone. And we see Kara, like, resist getting Eliza for help. Or we see Kara try to fix things in a weird way through leaving, like, Mm. taking herself out of the equation. Like we saw with her wanting to go and be with Clark. In season two and thinking, like, maybe it's better that Alex doesn't remember that I'm her sister in season four and so on and so forth. Yeah. When that's not actually the issue at all. (laughs) No, (laughs) not at all. And, you know, that's a big conflict between them because of that misunderstanding in some ways. Yeah. and. You know, that takes us to in this episode when Alex tries to get Kara to do the right thing. And for Alex, the right thing is like protecting your family. And that's sort of the wrong angle for Kara because she's already trying to do the right thing. She just has a different idea of what the right thing is. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to change. <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> that is a fixed thing for her.
1: Yeah. And we don't have all the pieces yet as to why the two of them understand each other the way they do and where the tension is necessarily coming from in the same ways. Mm-hmm. But Alex's approach is too focused in some ways on you need to do this my way without explaining like all the other real reasons that, you know, she's worried <laughs> right. for Kara and for them as a family and just. Mm-hmm. It's not coming out right. And that is like a very common thing that happens with people as you learn how to communicate those intense kinds of feelings. But if you compare that to the way Jean, as the FBI agent, gets through to Kara in Midvale and says, You've already lost so much, acknowledging, you know, why she feels so motivated to mm-hmm. try to help, but then says, But you could lose more if you're not careful. Kara tries to help everyone because it's one of her ways of dealing with being not in control of any of the terrible things that happen to her. And to the people that she loved. But she hasn't also considered that she could lose things that are, again, personally important to her with her focus being on helping all the people kind of more in the abstract.
0: Yeah, which is why the argument that Jean's slash FBI agent makes is effective. It's because, oh, it's something that Kara wants, as opposed to the argument that Alex is making, which is do the right thing and this is the right thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jean leaves it up to Kara to make the choice. Of Is her family on Earth important enough to her? Mm -hmm. And she decides, yeah, it is. Um, (laughs) And it was the right choice. (laughs) But it also builds on this understanding that Kara came to in the 100th episode, which is something she does not do as often as she could. Which is make choices because they're things that are good for her on a personal level mm-hmm. rather than always trying to uphold a set of values mm-hmm. or be Supergirl to people. And thinking that kind of like Wynn says to her in season one, like, it's OK for Cara Danvers to be angry. <laughs> Cara has always historically kind of struggled with that piece of being human in quotes. And this flashback episode is giving us a few examples of Kara having to make choices where there is an element of what is personally the best thing for me and she doesn't like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have at all.
1: Like, for example, Alex calls her out on not having decided officially where she wants to go to college, even though they both know where Kara wants to go to college, <laughs> because she's Like, well, I gave my word to Kenny and we've talked repeatedly about how when Kara says I will do something, she means it. And, you know, putting off that hard truth and telling him that hard truth. And then there's also the issue of is she going to choose to step back from using her powers in the way that is being described as incautious, perhaps in a polite way, (laughs) because she cares about her family and not because Alex is like, you need to do this, which clearly that is not the way. (laughs) And then we also see and this has been cropping up gradually over the last couple episodes as well. This idea of can Kara find ways to be alien and connect with other aliens? Because that is important to her, where she's always restrained herself from it mm. before, out of a sense of principle in some way, or this idea that she can't ever be authentic right. with anyone outside <laughs> of her immediate family. Yeah. And we've we've heard her say them, my name is Kara Zorel. Out loud to strangers a few times now, actually, yeah. this season, which she's never done before. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how that
0: continues going forward. And, and sharing that aspect of herself with people.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other thing which we saw her belatedly realize in Midvale, but kind of have her hope crushed because Kenny died, <laughs> was that she could tell people she was an alien and different in that way and still have the opportunity for romantic connection if that's what she wants. Hmm. And that's something that she, as an adult, has always doubted and struggled with. Even though, much like Alex, had these, you know, deep personal wants for her future, in a different way, she was afraid to say them until it reached a boiling point. kyra has got that in there too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, our Cara, you know, the one whose personality stems from more of Midvale than Prom Night <laughs> yeah. episodes. The only romantic relationship she's had are, we have James, who already knew that she was super cool. Which was like a half a date, yeah. Right. And then... <laughs> Manel, who was also an alien and like mm-hmm. Kryptonian adjacent and knew everything already as well, and Adam, who she briefly dated and then decided she couldn't, so and that's it, yeah she she's <laughs> never been in a long-term relationship with somebody that she had to tell that she was supergirl uh, or an alien.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's where again, to circle back to what we said before. It's nice that they continue the connections between alienness and then queer storytelling, as far as Mm -hmm. the ways that revealing yourself over and over again is an experience and that (laughs) it's different every time and it can be hard and it can be easy and you just never know until you do it. (laughs) It's true. But you get
0: better at it. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) So, yeah, for Kara, the idea that she has in her head of what being a grown up person hero is is like, pushing aside her personal wants for the greater good. But actual maturity for her will be understanding that she's allowed to do things that are for herself and the ways that that is often better for others as well. Yeah. Like we saw her learn in season three.
1: Mm, well, and ultimately, it, the journey she's always been on of integrating all the different facets of herself.
0: Right. Yeah, it's true. Which takes us to Alex, who uh, <laughs> this episode was like the adult in the room, but actually not quite an adult adult. Yet she has some growing to do herself. Although you
1: might believe she was the adult in the room with how Brainy and Nia still just reflexively were like, yes, we'll do what you say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: like, They're also afraid of like adult, actual adult Alex being like, so you messed up. <laughs> and I was there to see it. <laughs>
1: Which is like Alex being her mom in so many ways. Well, yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to disappoint you. She sets very high expectations. Mm. But she is clear about them. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing that she has.
1: But we also did see her. And this is, again, laying groundwork for things that we'll come back to later on in the show. (laughs) she actively impersonates her mother in this episode which like i joked before that she definitely did that with her disguise in season 1 when they are on the run from national city mm. as fugitives and she shows up at eliza's house wearing the mom <laughs> sweater and the blonde wig yeah but this was like literally <laughs> literally she gave a whole interview as her mom which I would love to be a fly on the wall when that quote comes out in the newspaper.
0: Eliza like, Eliza's like, um, <laughs> Eliza's like I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate here that Alex is like being the goals version of herself because she yes. wants to be like her mom. And also a big thing for Alex as a character is being a mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then... We also have Car in comparison being like, I'm ready to be superhero. (laughs) So they're in this episode like, I'm totally ready.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's very much that like teenage thing of trying on the identities, Mm. which we did see hints of in Alex in Wonderland. Actually, when you saw her panel of different like versions of herself, she maybe wanted to be. And they did have like this lingering shot of her when Kat calls her Dr. Danvers, which doctor was one of them. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm excited to see
0: what new ideas come up in the second half of this two part (laughs) prom thing. Yeah. So Alex at this episode, as she's being adult, energy is always concerned about consequences. She's very focused on like what could go wrong right now it's her default setting yeah it's true in a very intense way like again the fact that her default yeah. the fact that like young alex is like way more intense is really entertaining it's it's wild when you think
1: about it like everyone thinks she's intense as an adult and then you see like you know 19 20 year old Alex you're you're like like, she's mellowed out you need to sit down like (laughs) like, it did make me laugh though because it reminded me about how Jean was like your unrelenting seriousness is one of your best
0: (laughs) qualities. truly honestly and he meant it (laughs) (laughs) but we hear Alex pretty much say what she thinks being an adult is (laughs) being a mature person is when she talks about like what the real world is like and she says it's about being responsible. It's about making sacrifices to ensure the best future for yourself and those you care about. And frequently for Alex, that means, as we mentioned in this episode with relation to Brainy, like repressing her own identity in a myriad of ways. Myriad.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's interesting because just looking at that quote in the abstract, I don't know that that's something Kara would disagree with necessarily. (laughs) It's just that the best future might be different.
0: (laughs) Well, it's the emphasis on the future for yourself and those you care about is not on Kara's list. Also, yourself is under question for Alex, but (laughs) those you care about is like... Sort of, yeah, but, like, secondary. But the best future for yourself is a future where you save the world and the
1: people you care about. (laughs) Well, it
0: all makes sense. (laughs) We get there eventually.
1: But the other thing that this brings up is this thematic thread that we've already talked about in the earlier part of season six with making hard choices and how that is part of being a person. (laughs) Yeah. And how Alex is the character who most embodies that.
0: Well, in a particular way
1: in yeah in this specific way of well it's between my happiness and me making everyone else feel good so
0: <laughs> I'll go with
1: that one I guess um,
0: <laughs> yes whereas like we've talked about cars is more like hard choices between my happiness and the world at large and that also includes like her happiness is like the happiness of her loved ones adjacent so it's also below <laughs>
1: mm, yeah. There were other little sneaky things that appeared within the Alex and Kara dialogue exchanges in this first of the two prom episodes, Mm -hmm. which is, I think we might find out that much like in Midvale, they're going to do a variation on the idea that Kara is not the only one with a secret (laughs) that's affecting how she's perceiving the events that are unfolding. So like, you know, Alex and repression, there's something in there that we don't know yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because she's repressing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, the other thing that was interesting in this episode specifically was that, yes, it's two years later than when we would have seen the girls in Midvale, but they also just physically look more like their adult selves a little bit, like the mm. way they dress is closer to who <laughs> they are as adults, That's nice. the way they kind of maybe stand or carry themselves is a little bit closer. And I don't know if that was like a conscious choice in the sense that this is a different timeline and maybe they are closer to the people that they are, or if it's just <laughs> a they have matured a little <laughs> enough that they're like on the path to becoming the people that we already know they are. Right. Which is very cool. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we see in here, related to Alex and believing that being an adult is being responsible for everything (laughs) and making all the sacrifices if need be, is there's a lot of tension, as we Mm -hmm. have seen in every version of Flashback (laughs) Alex and Kara, with Kara over the idea that Kara being in their family has cost the family something tangible. But it has a different flavor this time. (laughs) And it's Mm -hmm. an interesting flavor. It's a mystery flavor. <laughs> which I would like to know more about because it was just starting to get good and then the episode ended. Uh, <laughs> yes. So there were some intriguing tidbits kind of sprinkled in. Alex specifically said that Kara cost Eliza her career, which tell me more right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does that mean exactly? That mm. was never in the original version. So. Right. Also, within the context of that whole disagreement between Kara and Alex, we find out Alex apparently already knows what the DEO is. Yeah. So, again, suspicious. But knows what it is, but doesn't know how to contact them herself. So (laughs) this isn't quite the point yet in the timeline where then she has been approached by Jean. Right. If in this version she still is approached by Jean. Yeah. Because like Lex. Because Lex ends up owning the DEO. Yeah. We also have Alex say that Jeremiah sacrificed his life for Kara, like Mm. dying, which is different than in Midvale where it was just that he died after she joined the family. So it seemed more like she knows more about what happened with where he was working or something.
0: Yeah. And we had clocked that Alex associated Jeremiah's like initial disappearance with Kara. Mm. Yeah. In the Alex in Wonderland episode, which was this timeline. So,
1: yeah. And I do wonder, actually, wonder (laughs) if they have been kind of setting up for this, knowing that they were going to do some of these things for season six Mm. just because of certain things that appeared in Alex in Wonderland. So I'm very interested specifically because of like that tidbit about Alex knowing the D.E.O., the thing with her dad and also the idea of it costing Eliza her career because mm-hmm. they did title the first episode of this season Rebirth, and in Rebirth, both Jeremiah and Eliza had ended up at the mm. DEO. And because in Alex in Wonderland, in the scene at the end, where all of the characters who are Alex's loved ones that she worked with were telling her that like she needed to kill like her teenage self and
0: whatever, <laughs> her mom is there. Mm. Intriguing. And she has a weapon in her hands <laughs> eliza did she yeah she did i think so yeah
1: so i'm like "Hmm." (laughs) i'm curious to see how all that has unfolded in this timeline Mm -hmm. and if it is different in this way that maybe it's hinting the other thing too is that within that idea of things are different there's like a hint that there's a slightly different dynamic between the danvers women Mm -hmm. than there maybe was in midvale or like in the timeline that led us to like early season one I don't know exactly what it is, (laughs) but there's like there's just enough little things where I'm like, hmm, I can't wait to see more of this. (laughs) Yes. Putting the pieces together. But yeah, so we have all of these various things that are apparently swimming around inside of Alex's brain because that's just how she holds things in until they explode. (laughs) Yeah. And it comes across as like. Kara's making really mean and selfish decisions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is not necessarily what Alex is trying to say, but it's how it comes out. <laughs> well, I think part of Alex thinks that, you know, Kara is being selfish. Like, mm. she doesn't care about the family. And, like, that's why she's doing the things that she does. Which, that's the part that's not true. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, where it's like, it's about Kara wanting to do the thing and then hurting us. Like, Kara says, we have to help them. And Alex is like, even if it means endangering everyone around you. And so it's going back to that like family versus the world debate they have (laughs) frequently Mm -hmm. and that we talk about a lot. So, and Alex hasn't quite realized the degree to which it is a value for Kara. I think in the sense that it's not like an interest that she has, but like a whole worldview. Like (laughs) how ingrained
1: it is. Yeah. It's not like I'm just doing this to do this. It's like I was sent here to do
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I will. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also like part of it that's like I care about the world. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. But you contrast this young version of Alex with present day Alex who has a, more of a piece about it as we just talked about in the last episode where she's like this is something commendable about Kara and she loves that part of Kara and you can hear it in the way that she says in this episode like Kara flew up and punched it out of the sky referring to the meteor which is like young Alex saying anything about like what Kara did with her powers <laughs> does not have that energy <laughs> at all <laughs> no and then adult Alex is proud of Kara and you know, we hear the little Supergirl theme playing as she talks about what Kara did.
1: Yeah. It was very similar to Alex in early season one when she got excited whenever Kara would beat one of Jean's tests from <laughs> the DEO. Yeah.
0: And it's sort of that through line of it going from a place where Kara doubts that Alex has faith in her and mm-hmm. is proud of her to the Alex and Kara we know, which that is not even a question in some ways anymore. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but for Alex, the growth journey that she needs to go on is learning when it's appropriate to prioritize her own wants and needs over the wants and needs of her loved ones.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: That's the harder path for her in terms of maturity. And
1: yeah, and that was part of the tension in this episode and also one of the things where the dynamic in the family was interesting, too, because Alex says to Cara, you know, the only reason I'm home mm. for the summer is because mom said she was worried about you. So I canceled my plans.
0: Right. And we don't know if she was asked to or if she just was like, well, I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This version of Alex, this young Alex, does not have practice saying no to that sort of thing. And then the the bonus journey for Alex involved in that is less resentment of Kara and having the space to understand that Kara does love her and the Danvers family, even if she has a different value system. Mm. So that wraps up Alex specifically. In general, I thought it was interesting The message is sort of like being a well-rounded adult person is more than developing like your go-to positive traits to the next level and like strengthening that adherence to your own values like that is a part of it. But another important aspect is balancing those instinctual this is what maturity is elements with other important aspects of life like we see with both Alex and Cara, They are self-sacrificing people, but they have to balance that with valuing their own personal wants and needs. And then with Brainy and Nia, they both want to be able to control themselves and have full control of their skills and with Brainy, his emotions and with Nia, her dream powers. But the thing they would benefit more from what a well-rounded version of themselves would look like is mm. accepting who they are and, and what they are feeling yeah. and, and living with that and that being okay.
1: Yes. And then to kind of round things out, we had some kind of stray little things about this episode. So the first one is when we knew that the time period was going to be in the late spring of 2009, I was like, are they going to find a way <laughs> to make a reference to Glee? Because the pilot had aired by that point yep. in time. And they did. They sure <laughs> did. And, and there were hilarious. singing. <laughs> and there was singing. Yes. So they actually do a kind of little replica of the pilot episode of Glee, (laughs) where the teacher discovers his lead male singer by like hearing a voice in the hallway and tracking it down and like stalking this kid and then blackmailing him into joining the Glee club. Yep. And that is exactly what they did with Brainy. So that was
0: really fun. That was really good. I have a question for you, Vivi, about Glee. Uh Oh, Okay. So, imagine this was a Glee AU episode. Oh no. And <laughs> each right. of the characters, our main ones, had to sing a song. Which one would you make them sing and bonus if it has appeared in the show Glee?
1: Uh, so let me consult the playlist on my iPod <laughs> Touch that I've owned since approximately 2009. Oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> so far so good.
1: Let's see. Glee top faves. <laughs> So who am I picking like for Nia, Brainy, Kara, Alex? Yeah. Kenny. <laughs> oh, if there you... are five Glee Club members. There it is. <gasps> wow. Perfect. They well. could start their own. Aww. Um, I'm gonna give Brainy Dancing with Myself. <gasps> wow. Their group number would obviously be home homeward bound, the mashup <laughs> that they did. Nice. For Alex, I would choose My Life Would Suck Without You. uh. Kara would do the, the mashup of Halo and Walking on Sunshine.
0: Oh, I love that one.
1: And let's see. Kenny, hello, I love you.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: And then who did I skip? Nia. Don't stop believing for Nia. Oh. We'll go with some, well, some classic ones. Just from, a small from the, town girl. <laughs> exactly. There she is. Well. Living in a lonely world. <laughs> is Brainy the city boy? <laughs> I mean, he's from the future, so sure. That's sure. That's like being in from a city, I <laughs> <Yeah>. guess. <laughs> and speaking of the, the adorable Glee pilot reference that was in this episode. They made a bold choice to set something in a high school when they have all these restrictions. They have to work around on how many people can be in a scene. Right. And they did a pretty okay job of it. Like, it didn't really feel super weird that they were running around a school that was mostly empty. They also, to get around it, there were a lot more kind of outdoor and location type scenes, which then led to them thoughtfully covering for the fact (laughs) that they filmed everything in like November and December by saying it was just an unseasonably cold may and climate change is bad yeah the climate change
0: jokes were great
1: <laughs> yeah. that was yeah I appreciated the level of dedication, like even the prop newspaper had lines about the weather in it to explain it. So that was just really kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And then also it got us that delightful baseball playing scene, which Brainy and then being attached to the the Glee reference, he then also was like, oh, and while I got recruited into this, I also joined these 12 other clubs, which is also like Rachel Berry in the pilot episode (laughs) where you see the shots of her
0: in every photo for every club. (laughs) Wow. Brainy's Rachel. He's got the right hair. He could do it. <laughs> he's <laughs> early brainy would be like yeah I, c- I can do anything i'm better than you guys at yes. this but like at technology with rachel at singing
1: yeah he definitely he had that a little in this episode when kenny was like here's my computer and brainy's like this is what <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that was really fun the flashback also worked really nicely and this one was done by writers who've been on the show for a, a longer time They took the opportunity to put characters together who never would have otherwise interacted for any reason. Right. Specifically with Kat and Alex, which was really fun. And it's something I've wondered how that would go for years. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And then again, with kind of the music things, like, number one, we saw Nicole get to sing in this episode, which was so fun and a surprise. So that was great. Yeah. And also specifically that she chose to sing a Dolly Parton song. Mm. They actually made a slight reference to Dolly Parton back in season two. It was the password to get into (laughs) the alien bar. Ooh, that's fun because. Yeah. Because it was also a queer coded thing. Yes. And Dolly Parton has been an outspoken advocate for LGBTQ rights since the early 90s at kind of the height of the AIDS crisis when there was a lot of stigma. Mm -hmm. And particularly for her as a woman and a country singer, that was like a really, really big deal. She was an early advocate of marriage equality. She wrote and performed a song for a a movie about a a trans person Mm -hmm. that she performed on TV at the Oscars. Like, she's a significant pop culture icon for a lot of people in in that community so that was a nice right again like weaving that in and also there was this really nice observation made by little lion punk on tumblr about the importance of seeing nia singing as a trans woman right because with the use of hormones and and all the changing you never know what your voice might sound like mm-hmm. and so to be able to see the singing just brought them like a a sense of joy yeah
0: that was a really nice post. Yeah. And
1: then speaking of music, I will be very sad if at some point during the attendance at this prom next week, we do not hear the song Time Warp. <laughs> it will be a missed opportunity. It's a song. It's like so for those of you who aren't from the States, it's like one of those songs that plays at like every birthday party and school dance. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> right. Isn't it from uh, Is it from Rocky, Rocky Horror? Horror Picture Show which again is a huge piece of like queer media yeah. from back in the day. And and trans related as well. Yeah. And I think it was also covered on Glee. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're covered on all bases. This is Destin. So here we are. <sighs> all right. With that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Next week is prom again. <laughs> We're playing the same episode a second time. It's a an encore like a Rocky Horror Picture show now. Oh <laughs> it my <is> gosh. <laughs> the second part of this flashback couple of episodes.
1: Yes. And in case that wasn't enough to be excited about, it is also Kyler Lee's directorial debut. Yeah. And she actually, as we were recording the episode, just posted something on her Instagram being really excited about the fact that the episode is coming. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really fun to see. Yeah. Cause it's always cool when the actress you've been on the show since the beginning direct because mm. they have such a good understanding of
0: of the characters in the world yeah and i bet it will be cool for the actor for young alex to yes be directed by kyler
1: yes especially since they got to work together last season and then also for the actress who plays young kara there were some pictures from the set of her and, and kyler working together So Mm -hmm. that'll be cool, too. That's nice. And speaking of cast members and directing, actually, after Kyler's episode, David will be directing the final one before the show goes back on hiatus. (gasps) I say will. He already did. What is time? (laughs) The the topic of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) He will in the future, but he did in the past. And it's (laughs) happening two weeks from now. Which on that note, I do want to point out, because this is something that I've kept track of as part of some fan studies data analysis that I've been doing for years now. Mm. This front section of season six, as far as behind the camera representation, has been really, really solid. I think Every director, except maybe one, has been either a woman or a person of color, mm. and that is extremely rare in the media industry still, and mm-hmm. it's something that Greg Berlanti has been pushing for progress on year to year, and every year there is incremental progress with, like, this has by far been the best start, right? and, like, Supergirl as a show also really cares about that, so the fact that all of their, their lead actors have gotten opportunities and that they are all people from underrepresented
0: groups mm. in the production side is just really awesome. Yeah. And on that note, you guys can contact us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram with any questions or comments you have about this episode or upcoming ones. Any topic suggestions as well. Share the episode. We love seeing your thoughts and tags on Tumblr and tweets and reviews as well. Yes. And thanks for listening.